Primary threat spotted. Moving into position. The grades of strength and certainty of steel. Media marks the boundary where reality and unreality meet. Of course, we didn't expect to die out here. You know, I'm beginning to wish I'd asked for more money. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. D20Radio.com All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Squad Tactica, episode 216. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, the show has been sponsored by the Army Painter, Battle Foam, and Discount Games, Inc. So definitely check out those amazing companies. They've got some fantastic products. And if you haven't already heard, we still have a 10% discount off of all Battle Foam products until the end of May. So for more information, check out the show notes. You'll have all the codes and things you need for that. And also, we also have a 10% discount off the Hobby Holder products from Game Envy. So check that out. I know some people from the Discord channel have picked up some Hobby Holder products. Uh, my local shop, Texas Toy Soldier, um, we have a painting night on Mondays, and I brought mine in, and uh, two or three people were like, I'm going to go buy that. So <laughs> I I can definitely attest to how amazing that hobby holder is, especially since we're going to be talking a lot about contrast paints this week. We're going to have a lot of fun, no competitive, well, no super competitive stuff this week. We're going to talk about contrast paints. Over the weekend, I played some Arena 2v2 with um, my friend Dave and Danny. Uh, we got a couple games in with trying to win like you know not like min maxing crazy but picking you know legitimately uh competitive ish armies and then we did um just picking the most insanely expensive whatever models we could so i like i played adeptus custodus and they played with terminators and we just tried to throw insane amounts of points at each other to see how good models are and we'll talk about that that was an interesting game it was a lot of fun and uh yeah custodes have weaknesses believe it or not and we'll we'll get to that but let's talk about citadel color so first of all I want to put this out here right now. I have not used it. I don't have it. I don't have any pre-bonus order special access. Uh, this information is just coming from what I've gleaned off of the internet, seeing what Citadel has to say. Obviously, they have a lot of marketing going for them, but there's a lot of YouTube channels and people who are writing articles and persons who took pictures and Warhammer Fest and all that stuff. So this is kind of an assessment based off of what I've seen. So when the stuff does come out, I'm 100% buying some and I'm going to try it and see just how well it works. In fact, I've decided to use it on my Harlequins. I haven't primed them yet. I primed one white. So I'm going to leave them gray until this comes out in a couple weeks. And then because the color contrast all of that stuff is supposed to be uh, very bright, very punchy, very... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's supposed to be very brilliant in terms of like your color and your pigment. I'm going to test it out on my uh, Harlequin army just because I like very bright and um, 
punchy harlequins you know they, they look like they're from the circus they've got lots of blues and greens and reds and yellows and they're you know very killy but they're trying to look very flamboyant while they're killing you so i think that that would probably in my opinion based on the things i own and the things i have built right now that's going to be one of my uh, best ways to test out how the color paints work also i am building that tau army i talked about on facebook so I could try that out. It's going to be like a red army. So, you know, you can use some of that Blood Angels contrast. Anyways, as the product comes out, I'm definitely going to test it. We'll have pictures and photographs and video and a review to talk about how it works. But right now, this is just kind of a discussion based off of what's been presented through Warhammer Games Workshop Media, which of course is going to try to uh, market the product, sell the product, hype up the product, and that's literally what marketing is. Like for those of you who don't know, like your job as a marketing person is to take this product, X thing, whatever it is, and get people excited for it, get people to buy it, get people to talk about it, and bring that product into as many people's minds as possible. So of course, you're going to hype it up, and of course you're going to bring experts in the field and popular persons and YouTubers and whatnot and get them to talk up the item. So, you know, as <sighs> that's the tricky thing about marketing. You have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt. Now, I don't think, I don't think this is a gimmick, just because we've seen way too much stuff on the internet with pictures and photographs of people who said now of course unless all of them were paid to lie which i highly doubt i really don't think that's what's happening but you know it could conspiracy theory it could have happened but the reality is so many people have posted on instagram facebook so many social media um forms and ways that i find it hard to believe this is a gimmick i find it interesting that this product is meant to be revolutionizing how you paint your models. I think that's very cool. I think that we're all, as painters, are going to have to test it. This is clearly not going to be the end-all, be-all for everyone. This has an application, and I'm kind of repeating what everyone has said, but, like, I feel that this is going to be something really helpful to a lot of people just because it's it's so tricky because like I'm thinking from two aspects of my brain so one aspect is the marketing side the games workshop side the games workshop wants you to think this is going to be super easy hyper deluxe painting all you got to do is like dip your model in the contrast paint and boom you're done the reality is not that simple so for example if you go to their website, if you go to, you know, the Citadel Color site, or you go to Warhammer um, community, they're going to keep pushing you to this citadelcolor.com website. And it's really cool. It's very flashy. Obviously, it's very colorful. And they have the, you know, choose your method. You want to use contrast or do you want to use the classic paint? And, of course, they want everyone to start using contrast. They have a little video here where they talk about, hey, you know, all you do is base coat it. Well, you, you prime it. You put the contrast on, you do a little technical stuff on the uh, the base, and you're done. And they're coining this battle ready. And this is kind of like the whole Disney thing. And I think I think Games Workshop is being very smart about this and how they're uh, marketing and branding themselves. And 
this is kind of, you know, this episode is not going to be about marketing and branding, but it is intelligent what they're doing because they're finding ways to coin and brand different methods of painting your models. Because right now you just paint your model and it either works or it doesn't work. Like, hey, your model looks great. Or, hey, your model has like one base coat and there's, you know, like primer shining through and there's no wash and it needs a little bit of a touch up. There's there's kind of a middle ground there where, you know, you might have done a base coat and a wash and you haven't highlighted it. And that's still fine. Like that looks perfectly acceptable on a battlefield because you could just say, oh, you know, it, they, they're a gritty army and this these models, this model, this unit, whatever you did, they just came out of, you know, maybe an, uh, a well or they came out of a cave and they're dirty and grungy, but, you know, they're still fighting on. That's thematic. That's fine. Like, it's not going to look as good as a model that has highlights and has the extra layering and stuff. But the reality is, like, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Like, your model can be gray, your model can be slightly painted, or your model can be fully painted. There's nothing really wrong with a model that's slightly painted, as long as, like, it's not, like, painted from the waist down or the waist up. Because I've seen people do that for some odd reason. and Or, like, half the model is painted. Like, when the left side is painted, and you're kind of like, wait, the right side is gray. The left side's like, slightly painted. What's going on here? So, I don't know. Th those are bizarre things. Maybe, you know, it fell in some acetone and the original paint fell off. But um, other than very bizarre situations, the average model is perfectly fine for the tabletop. Now, getting into what Games Workshop wants you to do. So now we're talking about how Games Workshop is going to market at you, the consumer, how you should utilize these paints to change your life, to paint magically. And I think that's kind of, you know, goofy because you can't dip the model in contrast paint and it's done. So for example, I'm looking on the website and you click the contrast, you know, choose your method contrast on the left. You have the Git battle ready, so you have your primed model in your gray, and then you put the contrast on, and then it says technical, where you put crap on the base, and then you have a picture and it's battle ready. So I want to analyze this photograph just to kind of break that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a lie, it's not a deception, it's just kind of, um, it's not quite forthcoming. I guess is the best way to put it. So if you look at this model and you look at the pictures, you would think all I have to do is put on some blue contrast paint and some of this technical stuff on the base, and then the model will look just like this picture. Uh, but the reality is you have some of the ultramarine blue on the chest panel and on the shoulder pads, you have some, it looks like a yellow of some sort. On the bolter, you have some black and you have some gray. And then on the uh, purity seal, you have some red and maybe some white. They don't show those in the picture for contrast. They just show the blue being applied to the Marine's leg. I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's a lie. I just think that they should have been a little bit clearer that this model uses one, two, three, four, five, six, potentially seven different contrast paints. And then you apply the technical stuff onto the base, and then you're battle ready. That, to me, would be a little bit more forthcoming about the steps that it takes. Now, I understand the premise, and they're not technically lying. The first step is applying contrast paints. 
They don't have to say how many. They don't have to say where. But it would be nice if they kind of did, so it wasn't just one step, two step, you're done. Boom. Magic. The only reason I say this, most people understand, like if you've been painting for a long time, or even a medium amount of time, you're going to understand that if you look at this model, okay, I put some yellow on the chest piece, I put some white on the purity seal, I put some black and some gray on the bolter, and then some gray on the auspex. Okay. But if you're a brand new person, like this is the first time you're getting into Warhammer, you're starting Kill Team especially because it's super easy, you can buy a box, and then you're like, oh my gosh, contrast paints, what's this? And this is like the this is literally the perfect selling point for Games Workshop for brand new people. You can play Kill Team, you buy a rule book, you buy a box of whatever. We'll say Space Marines just for simplicity because that's what they're marketing here for contrast. You buy like three contrast paints, maybe four. So you buy some whatever chapter you want. So hey, I want to do Space Marines, Ultramarines. Buy some Ultramarine Blue. Want to do Blood Angels? Buy some Blood Angels Red. Whatever. That's your base coat. Super easy. Then you buy whatever you want your extra alternating color to be for their chest piece, maybe on the edge of their shoulder pads, maybe on their kneecaps, like something to, to differentiate them. Okay, so you buy a red, maybe you buy, I don't know, say yellow, you buy some black, you buy some gray, and maybe some white. Okay, so you buy a box of Space Marines, four to five contrast paints, you honestly don't need the technical stuff for the base. If you wanted to, you could buy some. It's not like it's going to break the bank. So, for example, we'll buy a box. We'll buy five colored paints. We'll buy one thing of technical stuff, a couple of brushes, and you could legitimately be finished here. Like, that could be all you need to have a battle-ready, functionally-looking, and very, honestly, very sharp first run model or unit or army however you want to brand it that's great i think that's phenomenal but if you're brand new and you don't know how any of this works you're going to look at this marketing and go oh i guess i just like brush this stuff on the whole model and then i'm done and it takes a little a little bit more work than that so personally, I wish Games Workshop would have branded this a little bit um, more straightforward, just just for the newer people. Like I, I don't, I would really hate for someone who's brand new to buy these um, contrast paints and then be kind of upset because it didn't really work the way it was advertised. Now, I don't know if that will or won't happen, but that's just me personally. Going to the actual prospect of like application and functionality and what this is going to do for the community, what this is going to do for painters and all that stuff. I have a lot of things to say. Most of them are very positive. Uh, first off, I think it's very interesting what Games Workshop is trying to do. It would appear that they're trying to, when they say revolutionize painting, they're also trying to bring people into their paint infrastructure. And what I mean by that is you don't really have this branding, this level of marketing, this style of paint from any other company. So you can look around and it may exist, but no one is branding their paints in a fashion where you can apply one coat of our paint and that's it. You're done. 
So Games Workshop is doing two interesting things. They're presenting a brand new paint and they're presenting a very aggressive marketing scheme to bring people into their system, into their shops to say, hey, if you want to paint these models faster, use our stuff. And of course, they're going to make all kinds of moves to try and get you to try it to get you to go, oh my gosh, and I'm not, I'm not like down on them for it, but that's what they're going to do. They're branding, they're marketing, they're pushing for this to be the big new, ooh, ah, wow. Is that a bad thing? No. Uh, it is interesting because it seems like they want to pull you away from using other paints because like all of us use multiple types of paint. I use Creature Caster, Citadel, Army Painter, Vallejo, a little bit of Vallejo. I'm not like super deep into Vallejo yet. Um, there's uh, Army 75. I think there, there's a lot of different types of paints. Like there is no ultimate master perfect functional paint. There are multiple companies that make multiple paints and all of us as painters use the ones we love because we enjoy them the best, which is great. Now for brand new people, that can be very, very um, just... Monument, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it can be very oppressive or monumentous or just so much information to handle when you start building models. You're like, well, what should I look for? And you go on Google and you're like, you know, uh, Warhammer paints. Oh, there's like eight, 10 different companies. Well, what do I use? You know, each person is going to say, well, I use this. This is the best. I use that. That's the best. And that's fine. What's interesting about like the color contrast paints is this is going to be an opportunity for all of us to speed up our painting based on pure speed. If you want your models to look super tight, super sharp, all of them to have, you know, almost the exact same look and control, you're probably going to want to hand paint them or airbrush them the way you've always done. Contrast is going to be for people who want to get some models battle ready, tabletop ready very quickly. They want to be able to make them look very good with minimal um, time investment needed. So I find this interesting because, like I said, this is really, really great for new players. This is going to make their lives easy because when we first started, it was very complex because we had to learn how to um, you know, layer our paints and thin our paints and make sure the brush strokes weren't showing and make sure we painted everything, you know, as best as we could and stay within the lines and don't let the paint leak and follow all these rules. And, you know, the first couple of models you do, even the first groups of models you do are usually not very good. You're just not used to painting small things. You're not used to the detail. You're not used to the amount of paint so that you don't cover up the detail. Your hands may or may not be steady. You might not have the proper lighting, so on and so forth. There's a lot of things you're learning as you go along to make your models look good. Contrast is basically like, hey, just put one coat on, let it dry, and you're fine. I'm really excited to try that because I want to see a bunch of, I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask you contrast paint. Like, first of all, if I just put this one coat on, will there be brush strokes? Based on what we've seen, it's probably going to be really hard for the brush strokes to show up because it's kind of a mixture of a glaze and a paint. So as you apply this, it's going to leave the pigment on the raised edges of the model. And then in the crevices, it's going to pull up and it's going to be dark, kind of like a wash. 
washes don't really leave brush strokes. And if that's the case, this is going to be a huge boon to newer painters, even people like me who are experienced painters, being able to just put a coat on, let it dry, and then do highlights, dry brushing, extra um, technical things to make the model look great, because, you know, that's one of the reasons I got an airbrush. There's no brush strokes. Looks great. Super smooth. Uh, this could be, I mean, it could be revolutionary. It could be not revolutionary. We don't know. But from what we've seen so far, it looks really cool that you can just dip your brush in, put it on the model, let it dry, and it comes out with a great pigment. It comes out with an even smooth layer, and it does two things at once. It gives you color, and it gives you a wash. That's great. Like, that's really, really nice. All of these videos you see on YouTube, a lot of people are doing contrast-only paints. I'm very impressed. I'm not going to lie. I don't doubt that the content creators and persons are lying. I'm not going to question that. Um, so from what we've seen, from what has been presented, contrast paints look absolutely amazing. Very exciting. What I'm most interested in is how many... Um, what's the word, layers, I guess, of the contrast paint actually need to be used to get to that level of, you know, that nice pigmented firm color on top of the model. Um, like everyone says you only need one, but then they also mention, you know, sometimes you need to touch up some spots and, you know, you might need to do X, Y, and Z. So I would love to see if it's legitimately just one, one thick coat on top of your, like, well, like, yeah, I would, I would really like to see if it's legitimately one coat of contrast paint over your base coat, and that's it. I, I don't know if that's possible. I haven't seen it before just because we've been trained for so many years that you need to, you know, thin down your paints and you're layering your paints on. You're kind of building up this color onto your you generally black base coated model. So you start with black and you put color on and you kind of apply more and more color until it's the uh, pigment and the brightness you want. And then you do your wash and then you do your layer and your highlights and all that stuff. This kind of changes that dynamic for quickly painting. It doesn't change how you paint and it doesn't change the techniques that exist, but this is basically like, hey, you spray paint base coat your model, then you, in theory, put one coat of contrast on, you let it dry, and then you're done. Like, you can do edge highlighting if you want, you can do dry brushing if you want, but you don't have to. This was going to make um, painting really fast, especially if you have, like, you know, Harlequins where you only bring six or seven models. Okay, base coat them wait for a couple hours, let them dry, put some contrast on, wait some more hours, let them dry. I guess that's it. Maybe put something, some technical stuff on the base and you're done. Like you could be done with a full kill team in an evening. That's unheard of. That's really impressive. I'm, I'm just excited. Like it's one of those things that's just really interesting. And it's, I, I'm suspending my disbelief for now. It's hard for me to believe you could have a battle, quote unquote, battle ready kill team in a night. Now, if that's the case, like legitimately, I will be impressed. I will be very excited and very happy because that means you can get your stuff 
paint your stuff and be done with it. Now, I understand for a lot of people, painting is a very exciting part, like very exciting part of the hobby. Uh, but for some people, painting is like the worst part of the hobby. Some people just hate painting. They don't want to paint. They're not going to paint. They'd rather have a gray army because they don't want to invest the time or they don't want to invest the money or they're just not interested in painting. That's totally fair. That's totally fine. I feel that this contrast paint might change that approach. Now, if you just hate painting, you're like, I'm never doing this. That's fine. But the the gravity of looking at some people's models and going, wow, I could never do that. I think contrast paints are challenging that mindset and challenging that statement by saying, hey, use us and you're done. And if that's truly the case of how these contrast paints work, I really think we're going to see many, 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 many more models that are painted. We're going to see a lot more um, detail on these models because like I, I was at, you know, Texas toy. I was at the Citadel and I mean, I'm guilty of this too. People play with somewhat painted armies. So you'll have like a couple squads that are actually painted and then a bunch of gray models. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't look nearly as cool as the people who show up with fully painted armies. And you're like, Whoa, that's awesome. And they're like, yeah, it took me like six years of my life. You know, that's, that's an overstatement, but it's not going to be quick when you have tons and tons of models and you don't have contrast because you have to base coat and then you have to layer and then you have to wash and then you have to, you know, so on and so forth. If you have contrast and it's as easy as spray paint the base coat, put on your primary color, add some touch-ups, let it dry, you're done. You know, these gray armies are going to be a lot less gray, I think. The kill teams are going to be even easier. You only need max 20 models. That's going to be super easy with these contrast paints if it's just as easy as, hey, put on this base coat, put on these contrast paints, let it dry, and it's battle ready. And that's all you have to do. And I think... I think Games Workshop has hit the the ball out of the park, but I think they're marketing it wrong, and here's why. Their their marketing their current marketing approach is um, it's super simple, it's super easy, it's super quick. But what I think they really should be marketing is how it changes the dynamic of painting. It makes painting anything faster it makes your life easier and it gives you more time to play the game and I, I don't think they're wrong in their marketing aspect I just wish they would have approached it with a little bit more of you can hobby as much as you want and play as much as you want because the problem a lot of people think is that they're going to have to spend like 60 to 70 percent doing the hobby side and then they only get like 20 to 30 percent of the playing side and the reality is you as a person can do whatever you want like you can hobby a hundred percent or zero percent and you can play a zero percent or a hundred percent like you're not forced to do anything just because someone else does it now with contrast paints it's going to be a lot easier for people to just grab a bottle of contrast paint throw it on their model let it dry and like, if that's all you want to do, that is perfectly fine. If these models in real life come out as good as the models in the pictures are, 
you're going to be able to just paint a model super quick, like maybe an hour, if that, probably under an hour. A lot of these people who are doing YouTube channels have a model and they say it took them about a half hour to an hour. Gracious, that is fast. And those models look really good. Like really, really good. So going going into assessing the contrast so we can move on to the next topic, I really think Games Workshop has a great quality product. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to play with. I think that a lot of people are going to look at this probably, quite possibly, the wrong way because of how it's been marketed. I could be wrong about this. I then what that means is Games Workshop is just kind of telling you that you can just put on this contrast paint and you're done. If that's the reality, then they've done perfectly. Um, but I feel like there's probably one or two more steps in there to get these models to look as crisp as they really do in these photographs. It's not just here's some contrast, let it dry, you're done. I'm very, very, very excited about contrast paint. I know the way I'm saying this might make me sound like hesitant and leery and kind of like, oh, um, no, I'm going to buy a bunch. I'm going to try a bunch. I'm going to give it a whirl. I, I really hope it does what it says it's supposed to do because from everything that's been online, I'm very excited. Um, just part of me because I work in media and because I studied in marketing and psychology and that was a part of my, my television and film degree. The, the marketing side seems to be a little bit off. Like, what they're doing is right. What they're saying is right. But from, especially from someone who's podcasting, and talk, I talk to a lot of people on the Discord channel, and I get messages all the time. The ability to know where paints can save you time, I think is a big, big marketing point. Like a pitch. Like, if you said in your marketing that, this can help you paint your models in a day or two days. That would blow people's minds because they would go, wait, what? I can paint my kill team in a night or two evenings? Are you serious? Yeah. You can get four or five paints, apply two or three in the evening, apply the other two or three in the second evening, and your kill team is completely done. That is, like, so exciting for me. Like, of course, that would be a Kill Team exclusive marketing pitch. These paints are clearly meant to be for all models of all factions, all sizes. So, you know, it's not exclusive to Kill Team or Age of Sigmar or 40K or 8th Edition or Necromunda or whatever. These paints are to be used for everything. Um, but if you were to say that you know, painting a box of Tau could be done in the course of an evening or two evenings. That's still pretty freaking impressive. <laughs> Explicit, expletive impressive. Just because painting 10 models with all those crevices and all those details, that takes a lot of work. Even when you're speed painting, it doesn't just happen magically. And the contrast paints are pushing for speed painting to be fast, high quality, and bright pigmented colors. I think, I think that's a big thing for me, is that these colors are really sharp. 
they could have gone with a version of speed painting where, you know, you had to do like two layers and a couple other steps, but somehow they figured out in a paint pot how to put one, in theory, one layer on a model, let it dry, and the color shines super clean, it's very bright, and then in the recesses of your model, you get like a free wash with the pigment of the model, like the primary coat. So, like, your model has, you know, if you do it the traditional way, you'll paint like an ultramarine blue, and then they'll use like a dark wash. So all the recesses of the wash are like a black or a brown, like if you're using an Agrax Earthshade. With the color, the contrast paints, when you look at these models, the recesses are the same color as the paint in the um, on the top parts of the model. So you have blue armor and blue deep recessed like wash, and it looks really cool because everything matches. And I mean, once again, that's going to be a style, not for everyone, but it's going to be, you know, what it is like, hey, you want your Marines to be blue all the way through, use your color contrast paints. They're going to be blue in the recesses. They're going to be blue on the edge highlights. They're going to be blue on the raised edges. Like it's going to look great. And that's what I think is going to be really exciting is like, it's just, it's going to be super fast, super crisp, super clear. Like good on you Games Workshop. You did a great job doing this. I especially love the picture from Warhammer Fest where they had all of the ranges of colors and the ultramarines next to them. And you just have all these Marines and these really, really great looking colors. And it's just beautiful. It's very exciting. Um, but like for me, if this really works, like I'm going to be preaching from the hilltops, like, Hey, kill team players. This will make your painting life so much faster just because there's, there's people on our discord who are like, I don't want to paint. I don't like painting. I'm not going to paint. I don't like it. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to deal with painting. Would you try a contrast paint? You just have to apply one coat and you're done takes 10 minutes maybe it's not that hard would you try one model okay maybe we'll see games workshop is pushing for it's meant to be a fast efficient very brilliantly colored pretty looking model for minimal effort i think that's fantastic i really hope this works i really really do i very very much do hope this works not really for the sake of Games Workshop, um, but for the, the sake of the players. This is a very interesting prospect. This could change the way Kill Team painting works. I mean, of course, it would change the way everything works. But when we're talking specifically for Kill Team, because we're a Kill Team podcast, this would make your life way easier. You can buy a kill team for under 100 bucks. That's great. You can buy some kill teams out of a single box. That's really great. And now you can paint them in a couple nights or one night. If you're doing ultramarines, you could do this in one night. I'm not going to lie. If you're doing like Death Guard, ultramarines, any kind of space marine, you can probably do the whole model in one night because 90% of it is one armor. The, the Death Guard are going to be a little bit more complicated because they have the the blisters and the pus and the the tentacles and things but that's still not that much more difficult you just put a little bit of paint in different spots okay even still like i haven't done my geller pox yet 
guess what I'm saving them for? Contrast paint. If I can paint my Gellerpox or my Star Striders, I haven't painted my Star Striders yet. Holy cow! How exciting would that be? Hey, I'm going to buy Rogue Trader or whatever the new expansion box is. Okay, they come in these pre-colored plastics. So you have the red guys versus the green guys. Cool, that's neat. Hey, uh, you know, we could do some contrast painting and, you know, over the course of a weekend, have a fully painted army. Nuh-uh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, totally. How cool would that be to take a Saturday and part of a Sunday, hang out with your friends, put some contrast paint on, get something to drink, maybe watch part of a movie while you're putting some contrast on, and in, in one weekend, you bought a box set, you painted it, and you're playing with battle-ready, fully painted models that look tabletop-ready. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. That is the marketing Games Workshop is giving us, and I really, really hope that's what happens. So, contrast paints. What's going to happen when it comes out? I'm going to buy some. I recommend people who are listening, especially painters, who are, we're all pretty interested in this. Some, Of course, some people are on the fence, and some people are naysayers, and some people are like, no, it's not going to work. That's fine. Everyone has, is like, they're, you're totally entitled to your opinion. If you think this is trash, that's great. If you think it's a gimmick, that's fine. If you're like, I'm super excited, I'm going to buy it, that's also fine. It's totally cool. I'm going to go and buy some and support my local shop. I'm assuming these paint pots are probably going to be around the same price as a regular paint pot. Maybe a dollar or two more because the pictures of the paint pots look a little bit larger than the current paint pots. I could be wrong. It could be the exact same size. But regardless, these paint pots are probably going to be three to five dollars. I recommend that everyone pick a pot and go and support your local store and try it. Worst comes to worst, you hate it. Maybe you give it away or sell it to your friend for a drink at you know your quick trip or your gas station. Hey, buy me a soda. Buy me a buy me a monster for a couple bucks. Here's a paint pot. Okay. In reality, you're probably gonna like the the paint. And if you don't, you supported your local shop and you have somewhere to continue to play games. Okay, cool. Um, I, I'm, I'm super excited. It's a, it's a brilliant idea. And I know a lot of people are going to say this isn't new. This has been done before. Yes, I know this, this is not new. Like people have made types of contrast paints before, but it's never really been marketed or pushed this way. For example, the new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Like, that is a theme park land that Disney is marketing and pushing, and they are aggressively trying to get people to go to. Is it the the first theme park ever? No. Is it the first Star Wars ride ever? No. Is it the first time you've ever been to a themed land for a film franchise or an IP like? No. But is it going to be super cool? Absolutely. And a lot of people are going to go, and a lot of people are going to try it. Same thing with this. Is it the first time we've ever seen a paint like this? No. Is this the first time this technique has ever existed? No. Is this brand new, never before seen? Rev- no. No. However, it is easily accessible, and there's a but of bunch of colors pre-made, so you don't have to do any mixing. You can go to your local store and support them, 
and get something that's going to be easy to use, quick, quick to apply, and will create a very strong look on these models. Great. That's fantastic. I'm super excited. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to try it. I think everyone should at least give it a shot. Now, of course, if you don't need it, don't buy it. Like if you've got all the paints from all the paint lines, and you're like, I don't, I don't need this. Okay. Or I don't want it. That's fine too. Um, but I know a lot of people on the discord are buying new kill teams. I know a lot of people on Facebook have said they're starting to work on X or Y or Z, or we've had people who have said, you know, I'm, I'm coming back into the hobby and I've got some models I haven't painted, or there's people who buy stuff on eBay all the time. Hey, I got X, Y, and Z off of eBay. It's still gray. It's unprimed. Try contrast. Just try it. I don't think it's going to be a huge failure and it should be in theory easy to clean off if you're like I just hate this it looks like garbage I don't want it okay put it in some whatever you know model cleaner it should come off pretty easy because instead of putting on multiple thin layers you're just putting on one coat so it should be easy to dip the model in some kind of paint remover for a couple hours clean it off and you know you have a perfectly fine model that you can reprime and do it the old-fashioned way that's totally fine a couple of things I definitely want to suggest. I'm going to try this. I don't know if it's going to work, but we'll see. Uh, like I said, we have a local paint night here. Uh, Wednesdays is at the Citadel. Mondays is at Texas Toy Soldier. I would personally am going to try and recommend that when this comes out, we have a couple of paint nights, maybe two or three in a row, where we mess around with the, the color stuff. You know, maybe bring a model or maybe we'll all buy, like we'll go in on a box of easy to build and, you know, in, we'll buy like one box of, you know, a bunch of pox walkers and everyone will pitch in six different ways. So, you know, a box is 15 bucks, six people, you know, a couple bucks a person. We'll prime them. We'll mess around with color. You don't feel like you've necessarily spent a lot of money, but you can still test the model. If you like it, you know, great. It's yours. If you don't like it, you can wash it off and it's still yours. Like I, like I said, I've got models that are unprimed, unpainted, waiting for color. I don't know if everyone does, but I know a lot of people at my shop have expressed interest. They're like, I want to see how this works. I want to try it. And, you know, I don't see a reason why you couldn't. Or another really great thing, buy some of those Space Marine hero models. It's like, what, five, six bucks for a, a model? Cool. Buy the single model, prime it, hit it with the color. Hey, this looks great. Hey, this looks like garbage. Cool. But like you get to have that community night playing with the color paints, talking amongst your friends, trying out different things, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, trying to determine, you know, which color colors you want. Hey, I want to do blood angels. Hey, I want to do salamanders, iron fists, crimson fists, uh, space wolves, blah, 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 black Templar. You can try all of this in an environment that's fun, it's exciting because you're going to finally get to see how these things work in real time. You know, it's really cool to have all this hype, but once we get our hands on it, it's going to be fun to play with and go, oh, hey, here's a new technique, here's a new style, here's a new format. Wow, this is really cool. And then, you know, you're with friends at your local shop and you can have a really fun experience. And there's just so many different, you know, bringing new people in, building your community. All of these things culminate from, hey, let's have a paint night. Yeah, okay. Sounds great. 
tell your local community people, hey, we're going to, you know, on you know X, Y, and Z on these dates, this weekend, whatever, we're going to have some time to sit down and mess around with the new color stuff. Okay, I'm in. But yeah, I, I could talk about color for a while if you haven't noticed. I'm very excited. I think I think it's going to be very popular. I think it's going to do very well. And I really do think it could very much change how newer painters get into the hobby. And that's really the thing that excites me the most because so many people ask, what do I do? Where do I start? How do I get started? If my answer could be buy color contrast paints instead of the current answer, well, watch this video, get this paint, thin that paint, apply multiple applications, use this brush, use this technique, blah, 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 and then change it to, hey, get whatever brush you want, buy some color contrast, apply one thick coat, let it dry, apply whatever colors to whatever, you know, pieces or accessories of the model you want, let it dry, you're done. That is a much simpler answer. That's a much faster answer, and it is fiscally cheaper. It's a much, much less expensive option to only buy a couple of paints and be done with it. So pre-order is June 8th. In-store is June 15th. I am very, 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 very excited. This, like, I'm, I'm a painter at heart. I've told people time and time again, if I had to choose between painting and playing, I would rather paint just because... I like sitting down, I like painting, I like talking to people, I like learning. For me, it's very relaxing, it's very soothing. Um, I've had amazing conversations with some of my best friends over painting sessions. I've yet to have that during a play session. We don't really have like conversations while we're playing. We're just like, well, we, I, we talk while we're playing, but while you're painting, you talk about a lot of things. While you're playing, you're very focused on what's happening, and you're talking about the game. You don't really talk about like movies or food or people or you know places you've been or things that you like. Like while you're painting, it's a great conversation piece just to paint and discuss and build relationships with friends and new people. While you're playing a game, you're not really doing that. Like the, the opportunity doesn't really arise nearly as often. Also, the best part about painting is the ability to create your own thing. Like we all, like the model is basically a palette. We all have the same palette, but what we do with that palette is so unique and so different and so genuine and heartfelt. And I think that's my favorite thing because we all might buy the same model, but none of them will look the same. Like a snowflake. They're all snowflakes, but they all are completely different. They have different um, symmetry, they have different X, Y, and Z, like, same thing with models, and I love meeting people at conventions or at tournaments and seeing how they paint their models, because it's always so different and so beautiful, and it's like, how did you come up with this? Oh, well, you know, I watched this movie this one time, or I was listening to this album, or uh, I saw this thing in a, a shop, and then I decided to copy it, and then, you know, such and such showed me how to make it better, like, there's always a tale to be told about the paint scheme of a model or an army, and that is just something you don't get when you're playing a game. Like, you never ask someone, how did you learn how to play this game? I, I read the rule book, watched a video on YouTube, okay. But when you ask someone, tell me the story about this model. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, blah, 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 and blah, 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 and X, Y, and Z. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. And painting just opens up so many aspects of the hobby. And once again, if you're not into painting and you don't like this, that's fine. Like, 
I'm not mad or judging or anything like that's totally fine if you're not into painting at all. I'm very much into painting. So anything that has to do with painting or paint brushes or painting accessories or anything hobby related, I am very gung-ho about, especially if it could change the dynamic of the system. Like when someone goes, oh, hey, we're having a new paint line. That's cool. I'm not super ecstatic. Like I'll try it. I'm excited that the paint line exists. But I'm not going to go crazy and go, oh, new paint, new blue, blue, blue. Like, blue is blue. There's different forms of blue, but your blue isn't going to change how blue is perceived by the human eye. Cool. I'll buy it, I'll paint with it, and we'll see if I like it or not. But contrast is not just a color. Contrast is a new type of paint, a new application of paint and speed. And I, I am just... Very, very intrigued and very excited. So once again, pre-order is June 8th, in-store June 15th, just a few weeks away from the release of this show. And I recommend trying it. Like I said, go get a pot, support your local shop. Worst comes to worst, uh, give it to someone who wants it and you know make them buy you a couple sodas from the shop. Either way, the shop wins, the players win, and you get a cool little pot of paint win-win. All right, that's enough about contrast. We have gone way over how long I wanted to talk about it, but the reality is I think it's worth, uh, I I think it's worth the time to talk about just because the community is kind of um, split about this, and I think we should give it a chance before we just crap on it and say it's trash, it's a gimmick, don't buy it. Now, what we did over the weekend was play some Arena 2v2, and we only had three players, so what we did was one person piloted two separate armies at 100 points, and then the other two players were a team of 100 points per player. So we played the stockpile mission from the Arena rulebook, and it was a lot of fun. You can check it out in your Arena rulebook, um, and basically you have five objectives, the traditional one in the middle, two in your objective zone and then the classic victory conditions of you get one for holding one one for holding two and one for holding more than your opponent and then the rapid assault is the tertiary objective which if you charge uh three models at the end of the movement phase you get a victory point so a couple things i learned from this game oh by the way the matchup for this game was myself and Danny. So he was playing Tau, I was playing Orcs, and then we played against Dave, who was running Imperial Guard Scions, and then Black Templars, where he had a Terminator with a Storm Shield and a Thunder Hammer. Good lord. So we started off, we actually didn't get past round one just because we blew off. Uh, Dave brought six. Yeah, he brought six models for Black Templar and I believe eight Scions. And by the end of the shooting phase, we had killed his Terminator, who was his leader. We had killed, yeah, we killed three of his Black Templar and three of his Scions. And two more were locked in combat with my Orcs, who had charged him. So he, he just flat out conceded. Um, because we we took him we basically took him off the table uh, with some really really lucky rolls on our part shouldn't have happened but you know sometimes when you play a dice game dice are really hot or really cold but um we played it was a lot of fun 
I'll just recap the turn one and <laughs> because it was so fast. So if you're looking at the map or, you know, in your book, I'm trying to try and explain to the people who are listening how this map is set up. You're playing long ways. So basically Dawn of War. Realistically, both sides are going to get the two objectives in their deployment zone because it's basically open a door and then your objective is right behind the door. So you put two models in front of the doors, you open the doors, you get two victory points, really easy. So in the dead center of the map is the victory point you're supposed to fight over. And then on either side is our two doors and they're inches, maybe five, six inches away from the point. So what you're doing is on your first turn, you're going to open the doors in front of the point, rush in, flood the map and fight. That's basically what arena is built upon is forcing close quarters assault, fighting over objective points, generally one or two that you desperately need in order to get past your opponent in victory points. So what we did was we had our veteran move early game, my orcs, uh, commando had a veteran move, he opened the door, and we went first. So when you're rolling uh, the dice to see who goes first in a 2v2, each player rolls 2d6, and then you follow the highest to the lowest. So we got lucky, and Danny got the high roll, and then nothing else really mattered after that. So what we did was we opened one of the doors on our side, and we flew the drones down the field to sit in front of the doors to block Dave out. Now we also played with house rules for doors that, now this, this is not necessarily the tournament standard right now, but we played with this rule because it was a little bit more fun. Uh, the way the rules are written in the book kind of suck. So our house rule was if you start your turn in front of a door or you end your turn within one inch of a door, if there is an enemy within one inch of the door, you can attempt to open or close it and they can roll a five or six to stop you. Now, I know that sounds very similar to what the arena book says, but the arena book rules is written. If you move within one inch of a door and there's already an enemy there, you can't attempt to open or close the door. If you, like you're so so for example i guess i should say it this way if there's a door and you're on one side of the door and your opponent is on the other side of the door you can attempt to open it and they can deny you on a five or a six however from what i understand rules is written if the door is open and there's any any enemy within one inch of that door you can't attempt to close it at all whatsoever so also, someone brought up somewhere online, like, if there's an enemy on the same side as you, and you try to open a door, you can't open the door, because the enemy is there. So, we, it's complex, people are arguing about it on the internet, for the sake of having fun, because this is a casual game, we just wanted to enjoy playing 2v2. Like I said, we had a house rule that just said, regardless of what side the enemy is on, if you're within one inch of a door and they're within one inch of a door, they can deny you on a five up. That's it. We made it really simple, really crisp, really clean. Once again, this was not a tournament game. We were just playing for fun. So with that being said, uh, we run up to one side of the door. We throw two drones in front of it just to block them out from being able to get through that door 
and get to the command point. This was the side where the Terminator was on. So we were trying to block out the Terminator early game, so that way he had no opportunity to push that lane out with a Terminator to get into the center of the map and get onto that command point. Uh, the rest of the turns weren't super important. I was able to um, push my orcs down one of the lanes and charge into uh, some of the scions and get into combat, which we never resolved because we never got that far. Something I did learn and I thought was very interesting. I did not know this and I learned this during the match. The Rapid Assault says, at the end of the movement phase, score one victory point if there are three or more models from your kill teams, uh, from your kill team that charged in this phase. I didn't know, and this is something important I'm going to share with you, charging only counts if you get within one inch of an enemy during your charge move. In the rulebook, it specifically states, in the core rulebook, if you roll your 2d6 and you cannot make it to the target, you are not considered to have charged. I did not know that. I know that now. So for the sake of rapid assault and gaining a victory point, you actually have to have three of your models charge successfully, not just charge, period, whether they made it or not. Also, and this is in the FAQ, I knew there was something like this, but I just wanted to reiterate uh, because this did come up, I had forgotten when they FAQ this. So in the core rule book, it states incorrectly, when you make a charge, you can move up to the distance you rolled. In the designer commentary, they specifically said, if you roll a charge distance and you do not make the, the length you need. So say you need 10 inches to successfully charge and you roll eight. Designer's commentary for charging is you can do one of two things. You can stand still or you can move the maximum distance in a straight line towards the enemy. So you have to be careful when you're making charges. If you don't roll what you need, you might get stuck. Or if you move the maximum distance of what you rolled, you might get, you know, mispositioned or you might not be in cover like you, you have to be very careful about your charges most of the time when i charge i make it because i make sure i'm within a close enough distance that the odds are in my favor um, but the option to not move at all whatsoever is also something i'll sometimes do because i'm already in cover i'm already safe and i can just charge them again the next turn because why not so those are two things i found very interesting uh like i said didn't know that a six a charge is only a successful charge, not the act of charging, not the declaration of I'm charging you and that model has charged. No, you actually have to get from point A to your target. You can't just get halfway there. It's like, I charge, I get a victory point. Wada, wada, wada. So anyways, as you saw on the uh, Facebook page, if you didn't, you should check it out. We were able to kill the, <laughs> we were able to kill his leader, uh, the Black Templar uh, Terminator with a burna boy. So what happened there, this is kind of a funny story. So we have the two, um, what do you call it? The two drones are blocking the doorway. And so of course, Dave charges them with his Terminator because why not? You're gonna probably destroy them. Uh, but the other thing is there's a rule in arena where if you're playing 2v2, you are allowed to shoot models in combat if they're not models from your kill team. So what Dave did was he charged the drones with his Terminator because they're not going to kill him. And then he shot the drones 
with the um, he had a hot shot las gun, he had a plasma gun, and he had a hot shot uh, volley rifle. So he blows up the two. Let's see, yeah, he blows up the two drones that the Terminator's locked in combat with. His idea was, and he never got to do this, so I'm not entirely sure if this works, but the way the core rulebook says is, if your model made a charge successfully, then when you select that model, they get to follow the steps of piling in, attacking, blah, 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 blah. The reason why he blew up the drones he was in contact with was because Danny's crisis suit leader with a fusion rifle was less than three inches away from his Terminator. So in his mind, he was going to survive the round. When he picked that model to fight in the fight phase, he would do a pile-in move, move the three inches into the leader crisis suit who thought he was safe because the drones were tar pitting the Terminator and he would kill him because he has a thunder hammer and he would probably kill him outright. Like I said, we never got to that point, but I thought that was a very interesting tactical decision. So anyone who's listening, uh, feel free to comment either on Facebook or send me a message if that's possible. Cause we looked in the rule book and all it said was if your model has made a successful charge, then when they're picked to fight in the fight phase, follow these steps. And the very first thing you do is a three inch pile in. It doesn't, I don't remember it specifically saying you have to pile into the model you engaged or targeted. So, okay. Anyways, it doesn't happen because now, <laughs> unfortunately for him, his, <laughs> his Terminator is in the middle of the field with no obscurity, no long range distance because he's in the middle of the map. So we, we light that model up super hardcore. We throw rail rifles at it, the fusion blaster, drones, and we get a wound on him. And then it comes to my turn and my burn a boy. I use the, uh, the new elite tactic that gives me a D six shots for, uh, using my flamethrower instead of a D three. And what's really funny, this is something that you should also take to note. I positioned my burn a boy behind Danny's Tau leader just so, and he was far enough away where it would, he was not within a pile in uh, three inch range. I made so that because I, I should clarify this, my, um, my burn a boy was a demolitions expert which gives him a plus one to wound if my opponent is obscured. So I positioned my model behind my Tau friendly model so that his Terminator was obscured. So that way when I use the flamethrower, it automatically hits and I get a plus one to my wound roll. So my strength goes up by one. And that mattered because I rolled, so I roll a D6 to see how many shots I get. I get five. I roll five dice and four of them hit or four of them wound technically. So he rolls his two up armor save and he gets two ones. And at that point, there's nothing you can do because you can only reroll one of them 
with your tactical reroll. So of course we're we're ecstatic. It's like yes, we got a wound through. This is crazy. What are the odds? And he's like, okay, that sucks because we already put a wound on him with the tau shooting phase because you know we we put everything we had into that terminator to try and kill him. So the burner boy rolls out four shots, gets two wounds, rolls a six on the injury chart, kills. Well, um, yeah, yeah, he, we killed the Terminator because he only had one CP and he couldn't use the death defied tactic from the elites book because he had used the CP earlier to reroll, um, something and, uh, it, it was, it was magical. And so at, at that point he was like, I can see because, uh, we'd taken out half of his army. Basically, we took out his big threat. Like it was over. The Black Templar army was like dead in the water at that point. And like I said, I had um, three of two or three of my orcs in um, melee combat with a bunch of his other guys, and they're they're scions. They're not going to win that. And if they survive, they're not going to kill the orcs. And I had models right behind, ready to charge in the next round. So. It was it was just pretty, it was pretty much over. So he conceded. The game was fun, uh, but like I said, we learned a lot about charging and how that worked. So that was a very interesting perspective. So then, for funsies, we decided, hey, we're gonna play 100 points. Um, just pick crazy, insanely expensive models and see what happens. So this was definitely a. Uh, some people call it hobo fights, where you just throw a bunch of things together and you just chuck dice or whatever you want to call it. But I picked. Uh, three Adeptus Custodus. I used my uh, Geller Pox mutants to proxy them because they had the right, I think they have the right base size. Um, and then I played Harlequins on the other end. And um, it was a very fast game. We played all four rounds in about maybe 20 minutes just because I have three Geller Pox and all they're going to do is run in and charge. And then the Harlequins, two of the seven were forced to stay in the backfield and sit on command points. So that was kind of boring. And then the other five were basically running in and charging, and that was it. So I took a mask form I didn't use, which was really stupid of me, because at the end of the game I was like, what was my mask form? Oh yeah, it was the Riddlesmiths, which, if you don't know what that is, at the start of the fight phase, you roll 2d6, you remove the highest d6 you rolled, and then whatever number is on the second d6 that's left over, when your opponent rolls that in the fight phase, it's an automatic fail. Now... The problem is that's only really useful if you roll like a six and a six or a six and a five and a six and a four. Like you roll high enough so that you're affecting, you know, fours, fives and sixes. If you roll like a six and a one or a two and a one or a one and a one, that one is irrelevant or two because most things are hitting on not, you know, worrying about like they fail on a two is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I never used it. I completely forgot about it and I was dumb. So that was a wash. I also completely forgot to use my combat veteran and zealot abilities because we were I was <laughs> I was having so much fun chucking dice with the custodes. So um, long story short, anything that wasn't a terminator with a storm uh, thunderhammer storm shield, I pretty much ate alive. That was fun. Felt really good. Storm shield thunderhammers. I hate those things so freaking much. You, <laughs> you, you're, when you, oh, I'm so frustrated. When you play with Black Templar, you're hitting on fours because you have a ballistic skill, you have a weapon skill of three, 
and then the hammer boosts it to a four up. But then you're swinging in with uh, strength eight and custodes are toughness five. So you need fours to hit, threes to wound. Generally two of those, one or two of those go through. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to roll my four up in Voln save. Failed. I'm going to spend a command point to reroll that. Failed. Thunderhammers do three damage. Crap. I have zero wounds. And then they get to roll three dice and pick the highest for the injury roll because they dealt three damage. So anytime one of those Thunderhammers gets through, my Custodes drops to the ground and just dies. And that's that's how I lost the game, is it was Thunderhammer turn one, Thunderhammer turn two, Thunderhammer turn three, and it was just poof, poof, poof. So if you're looking for a way to kill a Custodes, Thunderhammers are very, very successful. Now, I was able to kill one of the Terminators with a Storm Shield Thunderhammer with my combat guy. But still, like, those models are, like, 40-plus points, and your Custodes are 33. They have better stuff than you do, and it, it shows. Like, it was it was a uphill battle to try and kill those blasted models. Realistically, uh, the game was a lot of fun. It was, like I said, just a bunch of dice being chucked. You know, it was me charging with Harlequins and just murdering things and then being counter shot off the table by Tau. Uh, Danny ran an all stealth suit list, which was really fun. It was like four stealth suits and a drone. <laughs> and it was it was just a blast to see. It was like fusion blaster, uh, a burst can. So it was it was a really fun game to play. Um, like I said, it was over super quick. It was basically chucking dice, who gets the better rolls. Um, but the the learning experience was Custodes can really, really hurt things that aren't Terminators running uh, Storm so Shields Thunderhammers. Uh, those things are just brutally powerful. <laughs> we did, uh, for funsies, put the 67, the uh, Alaris Custodes, I think is what it's called, up against the 40-point Terminator, and it, it just got crushed. So the the thing we kind of figured out, and probably people know this by now, but uh, where, where you have a bottle with more points and better war gear, you probably have the competitive edge just because you know you have a higher you have more attacks or you have a higher chance of hitting or a higher chance of wounding or your weapon just deals insane amount of damage so for example the terminator needs force to hit threes to wound not particularly great but if one of those goes through a custodes is just dead like flat out dead now if you have the leader the 67 point guy he has four wounds and he, he doesn't get obliterated there but the three wound model is gone like the odds of it not being completely evaporated are so low just because you're rolling three dice one of them should hit a four five or six in melee it's just going to happen um, plus you can re-roll those if you needed to but you probably don't. Um, your Custodes have a 2-up and a 4-up invuln. You can take it so they have the 3-up invuln, um, but they still don't have a damage 3 weapon. They have a D3 damage weapon, so you could get lucky. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many interesting things that mix and match that, like, it's not impossible for Custodes to beat... A Thunderhammer Storm Shield Terminator, um, but it is kind of an uphill battle. Like it is nice, you hit on twos and you wound on threes. 
Um, but like once like once once again, the the reality is like your your odds of instantly killing them are significantly lower. Like your odds to hit and wound are high, but you don't have a D3 weapon. Whereas their odds to hit and wound are lower, but if anything goes through, you just disappear. So that was that was something to take note because people are like, how do you kill Custodes? What beats Custodes? These things are broken. Well, okay. In a fun game, they're pretty tough. I don't disagree. They have a lot of wounds. They're really tough to kill. They have a lot of abilities and powers and blah, 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 blah. But when you just smack them in the top of the head with a thunder hammer, their skull pretty much impacts and they die. Just that's how it's going to go down. <laughs> um, competitively, I don't think you should be playing with Custodes just because they are um, unable. And we figured this out. They're, they're really unable to hold points. Um, the, the point of the three custodes was to just charge in as quickly as possible and start mauling things. And the, the Harlequins are supposed to hold the points. I totally lost. I, I like, I super conceded by the uh, middle of turn four, just because all my custodes were gone. I had lost like four of my seven Harlequins and two of them were in the backfield. So realistically I only had one on the table and it's like, that's fine. This was fun. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I concede. So yeah, that was that was the fun game where it was just a, a very harsh butt whooping. But we learned a lot. We had a lot of fun. Once again, Custodes are a ton, ton of fun. They just have a hard time beating Thunderhammer, Storm Shield, Terminators. So if you're listening and you're having problems with people playing Custodes and you don't know how to beat them, I have an answer for you. Try Thunderhammer Storm Shield Terminators. That that three up invuln save is really gross. It's very very powerful. In fact, I might kit out my Custodes to run the three up invuln save just to try and survive a little bit longer. I don't know. Um, it seems like a bad matchup, but of course, like I said, my dice were a little cold. His dice were pretty hot. Um, there were a lot of turns where he would swing in like four attacks, three would hit and two or three would wound. And it's like, Oh, after all, like three, four ups, that is rough. And like one or two would be blocked. And then that one last one gets through and you're like, all right, I'm going to reroll it failed. All right. Well, it is what it is. I can't do anything about it. So anyways, it was a lot of fun. I recommend for those of you who are listening, if you are interested in having a good time with Arena, you have some friends, you want to goof around and play Kill Team in a non-competitive and very fun environment, do the 2v2 Battle Brothers. We've played two games so far, or three games so far. Each and every one of them have been an absolute blast. There's always something interesting happening. It's never boring. It's very fast-paced because armies are going back and forth and back and forth. Um, it's, it's challenging because you, you want to synergize with your teammate. You're trying to work together and make sure you don't block each other during movement. We saw that happen in our first game because we forgot that you can't move through friendly models, period. So there were a couple of turns where both sides had accidentally blocked each other off and we were like, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Plus you learn a lot of the rules that you may or may not have known or forgotten, or you try new and weird things. Like I was saying with Dave, he tried to, well, he charged the two drones. Then he tried to shoot them off. We well, shot them off the table with his IG from the other army. And then he would have tried during the fight phase to pile in to 
have a combat with a different model he didn't initially charge. And once again, please comment, let us know if that's actually legal. I don't know if it is or isn't because it didn't happen. And he told us about it after he shot the drones off. Because when he shot the drones, we were like, hey, uh, what are you doing? You're not in combat and you're not obscured and we can just shoot you. He was like, well, I, I might have made a critical error, but I was hoping to charge you over there because of the way the rules are worded. We're like, let's see if you survive this because you're staring down 80% of the Tau army where you are. He goes, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and I had some orcs there to shoot him as well. So like we decided we're going to try and blow that Terminator off the table like right then and there. And it worked. It was very nice. It was very convenient that it worked because I feel like if we hadn't, it, it would have gone very poorly for us because, you know, it's a Terminator with a thunder hammer. He's just going to run around and start crushing people. But it was a lot of fun. It was a very pleasant experience. You do need two sets of arena to play this. We've I own my set of arena and we borrow the extra set of arena from the Citadel shop because they have one open for people to play. Um, but if you're listening to this, you're like, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. The only downside is you need the doors. Like, you need the terrain from both... Well, you also need the map. So, when you have Arena, in order to play 2v2, you need two of the same map tile, and you need all of the doors and terrain. Now, you could, in theory, if you only own one box of Arena, use the two double-sided maps you own and try and kind of kitbash it together so it's kind of sort of fair. I don't know how that works because we haven't done it, but I guess in theory you could kind of sort of try to make 2v2 work with one set of arena. I don't know if that's possible, but um, like I said, you need two sets of arena for that to happen, but it is a really, really fun, really enjoyable way to play. You can play casually, you can play competitively. The first game we played, we all brought our competitive lists and it was a bloodbath. It was super fun, very strategic, lots of interesting decision points were made. Um, it was very different to experience four people playing instead of 1v1. So it was it, uh, communication was very important, uh, you know, secretly working with your uh, teammate to hit all of your objectives and to score your points quickly. It's a lot of fun. Kind of puts Kill Team uh, onto its head. It doesn't change the game. It just changes how you play the game because when you're playing by yourself, you know what you want to do. You know where you want to go. You know all your uh, objectives and your secret objectives and all that stuff. When you're playing with someone else, you got to like communicate. Hey, I need to go here. Please don't block me. Or I have this secondary objective. I'm going to try and score it. You know, please try and help support me so we can make this happen. Or they're like, hey, I've got this objective. Can you, you know, run interference? Can you put this model here to block for me so they don't charge me or blah, 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 blah. And it makes Kill Team very, very different because you're negotiating, you're working together, you have a different set of resources because now you have extra bodies that you can ask your ally to, you know, sacrifice if need be. Hey, can you put this guy, can you put this drone right here in this doorway and they char they have to charge that and it's going to die, but we can, you know, move around freely because they can't get past it because of the base size, blah, 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 blah. Very, very fun. Very pleasant, very enjoyable experience. Once again, definitely try it. It's not for everyone. I 100% guarantee it is not going to be the experience everyone wants, but it is super duper fun. Also, we did not play with the Battle Brothers tactics. 
So eventually we're going to do that. We're just kind of absorbing what the Battle Brothers rules are because there's a lot to kind of parse through with four players or even three players. And then adding the tactics just kind of makes it more complicated. Plus we were playing with elites. And like I said, I completely forgot my mask form. And like we're, we're learning all these things kind of layered on. So we didn't feel like the tactics were necessarily important that would improve or hinder the experience of the game. So, you know, playing with new elites rules and the 2v2, it was so much fun. I absolutely enjoyed it. I'm very excited to do it again. We even had people like at the Citadel coming by going, what the heck is this? We're like, oh, it's 2v2, kill team. And they're like, that's a thing? We're like, yeah, absolutely. It's super fun. And they're like, okay, I actually saw someone go in my arena box. Now, I don't know if they were doing it because of us or they were doing it anyways, but it was just kind of like, hey, that's really cool. Like, I would like to think that our game maybe potentially influenced that person to buy arena because arena's fun regardless. But yeah, 2v2 is a very, very fun experience. Uh, in fact, I would love if more people did it so we could do a 2v2 tournament. I don't know what the viability of that is to ever happen, but uh, it would be a blast. It would be super fun to do like 2v2 kill team uh, arena matches. I think people would enjoy it. I don't know how competitive it would be, but for for a weekly thing, like, hey, instead of a 1v1 round robin tournament, we're going to do 2v2. Sure, I'm in. I'm down. That sounds like great. Super fun. So anyways, this has been Squad Tactica. Lots of fun. Citadel Color. Very excited. Definitely check it out. I highly recommend going to your local shop and just asking about it, seeing if they'll do a demo or if there's any opportunity to try it out during a painting session. Maybe they'll, you know, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what the potential is to get people to try it. I know at my local games workshop store, they're going to be demoing it. So I guess if you have a local Citadel shop, you could probably go buy and try out color because they're going to want to try and sell it to you. If you have a friendly local game store, that's not Citadel talk, just talk to them, ask them, Hey, are you going to be doing any demo days, demo nights where we can like, you know, bring a model and just try it and see if we like it and talk to your, talk to your friendly local game store, you know, manager owner and see if they'll do a demo day. There's, you know, the worst thing that can happen is they say no. You know, the best thing that they could possibly say is, sure, we'll open up, you know, some of the fundamental colors, you know, red, blue, green, maybe like a yellow, a black, and a gray, because, you know, those are generic colors for weapons and upgrades and things. And, you know, you, you go and you, you know, I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's nothing worse than not asking. So go to your local shops ask them about a demo day, if they're going to do anything, if they're going to promote anything. You know, some shops I know will say, sure, we'll do a demo day. We won't open pots, but we'll give you, you know, like 20% off. You can buy, buy whatever you want. We'll do 20% off those specific paints. Sure. Why not? I'll buy one pot 20% off. If I like it, great. If I don't like it, once again, sell it to a friend for a couple sodas at the shop, whatever happens. Like I'm very excited. I'm really, 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 really excited about this. Also, go play Battle Brothers Arena. If you have Arena and you have a friend who has Arena, get get together. Even if it's just the two of you, playing two armies by yourself is still a lot of fun. There's a lot of complexities. There's a lot of synergies. When I played the uh, Adeptus Custodus and I played the Harlequins, I had two Zealots. So I was able to do two Zealot moves, which turned into the Harlequins opened the door and the Custodus ran through into the middle of the field. So when it was their turn, they were able to charge 
if someone opened the door, which my opponents did, which was great because I was like, cool, charging. And they're like, oh, geez, what have we done? <laughs> and like, that was fun. It was a lot of fun. Playing 2v2 is so much fun in so many different ways from 1v1 kill team. And if you never experienced it, you absolutely should. I highly recommend it. Definitely check it out. So that is it. We are wrapping up the show this week. Thank you so much to everyone who has joined us, who has listened. Thank you to everyone who has been joining us on Discord. We have had a ton of people coming in, hanging out, talking about, you know, Kill Team, showing us pictures. We're all talking about contrast paints and all these exciting events coming up, getting ready for Nova and Gen Con. And there's a bunch of events coming up here at the Citadel here in Fort Worth or in Dallas, I guess. And people are talking about, you know, maybe coming out to experience it. We've got a big game day uh, sometime in August. There's, you know, all kinds of stuff going on in the world of Warhammer, both in 40K, Age of Sigmar, and in Kill Team. So we are just really excited. If you haven't joined us on Discord, it's totally free. Uh, you can check out the links in the show notes. They'll have the Discord server link. It's on Facebook. If you can't find it there, send me a message. I'll be more than happy to send you the link and yeah, welcome you to our community. So we are wrapping up. Big thank you to, once again, all of our sponsors, Army Painter, Battle Foam, Discount Games Inc. Thank you once again to our Patreons for helping support the show. You really are the MVPs of this production. We can't do it without you. It is a pleasure and an honor to know so many amazing people who are supporting the show. If you're enjoying this content and you'd like to help out, definitely check out our Patreon. We have all kinds of special stuff, special events, special X, Y, and Z, special swag. I actually got some new stickers coming out. We've got some glow-in-the-dark stickers and some orc butt stickers, and that's a joke from the Discord channel. Uh, if you haven't already uh, discovered, we have a constant argument about, do orc models have butts? And uh, we're kind of 50-50 on that because, I don't know, they don't really look like they have butts. But some people think they do, and... It just, it comes up all the time. It's really fun just to argue about it because people post pictures like, is this an orc butt? We're like, no, that is not. <laughs> so, anywho, thank you to everyone who is a part of this amazing community. Thank you for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. And as always, remember, keep on killing them. Bye.